0: There's Always a Finreg Angle, the podcast providing you with the latest news and commentary on financial regulation. Brought to you by Global Custodian.
1: Hello and welcome to There's Always a Finreg Angle end of season special. I'm John Watkins, Managing Editor of Global Custodian, and I'm joined as always by a pair of Finreg experts, Sean Tuffy and Virginia O'Shea. Top of the morning to you both. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Tis the season for, uh, you know, some festivities in the evening, so I hope this early morning podcast hasn't caught you off guard. <clears throat> oh, oh, there we Small <laughs> heads. I, will, I will ask no more. Um, you know, I think this is the most episodes we've ever uh, recorded in a, in a season, which we, I guess, classes each year. So thanks to you both. Uh, it's been a particularly good year, I think, of, of Finreg news.
2: Busy times, busy times.
1: <laughs> Indeed. And actually, given it's the end of year and the festive season, I thought we might kick off today's episode with a game that I've carefully and well thought out. <laughs> Lots of planning's gone into it, I assure you. It's called Santa or Scrooge. So if you think something, uh, a regulation or an initiative or a person, even in one case, is going in the right direction, then you can say, Santa. Uh, if you think it's a bad regulation or not progressing in the way you think it should be, then you can say Scrooge. So, um, Sean, I'll let you go first on each one, just so we don't uh, have talking over. But I'll just start reeling them off and give me a Santa or Scrooge. So first up, US Bitcoin ETF approval. Uh, I'll go Santa. Ooh. Jenny? Uh Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Scrooge as well. Like, just because people keep saying it's going to happen. I mean, yeah, it's still not happened. I've been saying it forever. All right. Um, if I can group it, global ESG regulation, Sean. Scrooge. Jenny?
2: Uh, Santa.
1: Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. This is shaping up nicely. I'm glad I didn't give you any chance to prep with these questions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Sean's Scrooge on this one, I'm afraid. Gary Gensler's tenure at the SEC.
0: Yikes. Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> <Depends> on...
2: <laughs> on the crypto front, definitely Santa. On the on the rest of it, probably Scrooge, right? Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. That's sort of a game of two halves, I would put it. So. <laughs> okay. Depends on which part you're talking about.
1: Fair enough. I'm going to give a Scrooge on that one. A little bit too much. A little bit too much. Sometimes mis- uh, misdirected. Okay, treasury clearing rules. Oh, Scrooge.
2: Yeah, I'm with with Sean on that one. Scrooge.
1: Okay, good. SEC custody rule. Oh, Scrooge.
2: Same, Scrooge.
0: Triple Scrooge. Dora. Ugh. Uh, I guess I'll go Santa.
2: Yeah, it's not such a bad rule, Santa. Some bits of it, Scrooge.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, Sean's feeling a bit Scroogey uh, in general here. <laughs> <laughs> Not sensing the enjoyment of his game. <laughs> um, what about global operational resiliency initiatives?
0: Uh, I'd say generally, Samer. Yes. Same. Yep. Yes.
1: Good. Three agrees on that one. CSDR refit.
0: Uh, I'm going to go Scrooge.
2: It's a bit of a nothing burger, isn't it, really? I mean, some of it's not particularly addressing anything. Oh, Santa. I mean,
1: I'm (laughs) harmless. (laughs) Well, the buy-ins, if the buy-ins come in Mm. do it, then. uh, Okay, that's Scrooge. Yeah, that bit, that bit. Good. Uh, Emir Refit.
0: I'll go with Santa on that.
2: Scrooge, that's too much work involved.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Eltif2. Uh, Scrooge. Scrooge. That sounds quite festive, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, I'm going to reel these three off very quick to finish off. T plus one in the US. Scrooge.
2: Definitely Scrooge on that one. Oh
1: wow! T plus one in Europe.
0: Um, so I'm going to go Santa, but for a weird reason.
1: Okay, let's let's dig into that shortly. Ginny?
2: <laughs> I'm going to say Scrooge on that. I mean, it, it, it's not moving yet, but yeah, it'll be a Scrooge when it comes around.
1: I just saw AFME uh, issued their kind of response to um, the, the ESMA consultation today, actually. So I think Chris said there's 12,000 words which we're reading through, but I did see that they're very anti that jump straight to T0. That's that's uh, oh. that's evident. So Sean, why are you, uh, what was your explanation for this one then?
0: So, I mean, I think we've talked about this a lot. I don't think they're I don't think there was a really compelling reason to go to T one in the US. There really isn't one to do in Europe, but since the US has moved, Europe can't not move. So I think moving to T plus one forestalls any ridiculous T zero discussion, to be honest. So I would rather <laughs> Europe move to T plus one and at least at the would you at the very least punts T plus zero to the tall grass for a while.
1: Mm. All right. Well the final one. Is T plus zero in India? Santa or Scrooge? I love Scrooge. <laughs> I'm
2: gonna call that the Grinch. Good lord. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very ambitious, isn't it? Well, by March next year, kind of optional basis. Um Ambitious
2: is one word for it, yes.
1: <laughs> Interested to see how that plays out. They're definitely trying to take the lead on this. So, Well, look, thank you both for your engagement in that game. Um, Sean, I'll try and edit out the sigh before each answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but look, as, as we finished on um, settlement there, uh, there was an interesting story from this week that we published on Global Custodian that the UK... Uh, task force has delayed publishing their report on on settlement cycle reduction from December to January I think initially they were going to publish some initial findings this year Mm -hmm. this December, the full report next December, then they decided they could do the full report this December but they seem to have a sticking point on aligning with Europe or not and that seems to have delayed things and I think even when the report comes out in January it doesn't sound like there's going to be an exact
0: date on it yeah, I mean, I think that sort of it highlights, it's come up several times and we talked about it in the uh, the August podcast about divergence and whatnot, but it highlights the sticky position the UK is in on almost any regulation in terms of trying, it needs to be aligned almost with somebody. So whether it's the US or the EU. So I think it just highlights that it can't really on a lot of things go on its own. So I mm-hmm. think that just sort of underscores the challenges that have come about post-Brexit.
2: And I think the date changes and things like the, the reason it's not being published this year is, is <clears> there's <throat> internal disagreement on the, on the task force, as far as I know, right? No. Um, there's, there's a definite direction of travel with the UK government and what they want versus what, what's practical. So, uh, so, you,
1: so you think the UK government wants to, as people keep saying, flex its post-Brexit muscles and be like, OK, let's take the lead on this. Let's, let's you know, get ahead of Europe. But in practice...
2: It's, it's not practical.
0: Yeah. 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 But you've seen that a bunch of places, like with that, you what know, was the Edinburgh reforms? Mm-hmm. Um, and there were sort of, the government was pounding the table a couple of weeks ago, demanding where the, where the regulators were on the, you know, these sweeping moves. And the regulators understand practically they can't do these sweeping moves. So I think there is sort of a, the government wanting to push ahead with the bold Brexit agenda. And the people in the trenches realizing that practically speaking, they can't. So I think it really, it's going to, it's, Puts the FCA and others in sort of a tricky position.
2: I think the FCA reiterated this week that it's not going to sort of soften any of its regs, right? Right. <laughs> They've drawn a line in the sand.
0: Yeah, the, the head of the FCA came out and said, we, "You know, basically, it wasn't going back to the the bad old days of the FSA." It made it pretty clear. So, I think it just sort of there's a real disconnect, sort of between the political and technocratic level, but it's a challenge.
1: Yeah. Sustain so on the UK. I think shortly after we recorded our last podcast, there was some um, sustainability uh, uh, regs or paper came out. Is that right, Virginie?
2: Yep. Sorry, I was on mute there. Yes. Um, I, I believe the sort of the taxonomy, the green taxonomy for the UK came out um, mm. with its own. It, it's not too dissimilar to what, uh, what's, what's gone on at the uh, EU level, to be fair. They've sort of cribbed. Um, a number of the, uh, the the sort of requirements there but it's it's around what you can and can't say is green so right. um, related to you know fund names and things like that so it's sort of uh, a framework I, I can't remember what they call it is it SDR I think I'm trying to remember the, that's, the acronym that's
1: why I was yeah. that was on the tip of my tongue yeah is that right Sean I think so yeah yeah and was there anything from COP28 that's kind of worth worth mentioning from a FINRA point of view? Obviously, some some big picture stuff, but uh, anything else come
0: out of that, Sean? No, I mean, it, like the EU was doing a victory lap because they feel that it sort of validated their regulatory approach, but no specific outcomes for FINRA. Reg- but it means a lot of the taxonomy stuff and all the sort of web of ESG regulations isn't slowing down. And I would imagine that it probably gives... Gensler a little more tailwind on his attempt to get ESG and regs over the line.
1: Yeah. Let's well, try and find a link in some of these themes. Um, if we do flip to the SEC, there's some trade associations upset with Mr. Gensler again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, having spend a lot of my time sort of looking at European thing, Reg It's always amazing to be that U S you can just sue your regulator if you don't like the rules, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, a number of, there were a lawsuit came in against a, a, a few of the proposals, short selling and, the uh, securities lending rules that came out recently, um, challenging those rules. And it's sort of the second set of lawsuits Gensler and the SEC has faced. So I think it's, it's interesting. It goes back to our conversation on sort of the the good and bad of the Gary Gensler approach, you know, custody versus sort of traditional finance. Um, But I think it does set up for next year, I think, in the US, uh, suing the regulators is going to be sort of a theme. Um, And where like, you've seen, like the SEC has been sued before, and uh, the CFPB gets sued almost every time it publishes something. But I think which will be interesting to see is uh, the Basel Endgame proposals are really disliked. Yeah. Um, and But to date, it's sort of like basically a social norm that no one sues the FDIC, OCC, or Fed over regs. Um, but I think they're almost certainly going to get sued over Basel Endgame. Mm-hmm. And so you pair that sort of norm-breaking with um, a Supreme Court that seems pretty keen to strike down parts of the administrative state like I think it's going to be sort of a dicey time for regulators in, in the U.S. courts.
2: The year of the Sioux. <laughs>
1: we didn't have a Basel three end game in our Santa or Scrooge. I'd go Santa on the uh, the use of end game as a name for a regulation, <laughs> and Scrooge on the actual rules itself. But uh, but sure, I mean, but these are these are just reporting rules, right? And I know when the SFTR came in, which I guess was the equivalent in Europe. It was. Yeah, it was like over a hundred reporting fields and yeah, it was a pain, but, um, it, it's of all the things it's, uh, it's quite a thing to, to sue over, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, none of the, that's funny because most of the rules that have come out since the, the summer are all sort of like Americanized watered down versions of the European counterparts from a decade mm. ago. And they're, and they're really not that big of a deal. So I don't, I, I think it's more, and this was the risk, you know, the SEC has pursued as we, talked about almost on every episode, sort of a pretty aggressive agenda, rulemaking wise. Mm. Um, but really, without a legislative uh, backing for any sort of new sweeping rules. So the risk is, if you, you public you, when you approve a number of rules at once, uh, and, and you can see in the lawsuit, it, they're suing for all three because they're interconnected. Uh, and so okay, yeah. you, it gives it gives them at least a reason to be able to sue and and challenge the sort of totality of the program. Mm. Um, Because you can say these three are all interconnected, they haven't been well considered, and you know, they should be rethought. So I think that's, but it's more an excuse than anything. But I agree with your principle that like, they're not on the face of it that big of a deal. Mm. I mean, honestly, like, I just think no one likes new regulation. Absolutely. No one likes new reporting requirements. So if they can try to get out of it, they will. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least it is under Gensler's kind of M.O. of transparency. Whereas, you know, going back to the SEC custody rule the other week, I just don't see any rationale behind it. Whereas, like you said, maybe it's the interconnectedness here that that's yeah, the, no, the
0: like, issue. Yeah, no, yeah, you can understand where the like the reporting rules are all. I mean, a lot of the rules are about reporting and transparency, which mm. yeah, I agree with you, makes sense. Like some of the other ones was a little like you know we just talked and we touched on that the sort of clearing central clearing of uh, treasuries is sort of an odd one because it's about redoing market infrastructure to create bigger points of failure. It's sort yeah. of an odd decision.
2: Especially as a week, I think, what was it, last week or this week, the, there's the, um, the FSB put out uh, a paper saying that clearing is causing more risks and concentration yeah. risk <laughs> <Didn't> <laughs> across
1: that. the globe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's get into end. that.
0: <laughs> yeah. FSB and BI, uh, BIS right mm-hmm. um, came out and said, which everyone you know, post uh, the GFC, where the drive for central clearing came out, any market practitioner could have and did say this is just going to cause increased systemic risk in the long run. But um, those concerns were sort of dismissed. But yeah, they came out and essentially said, yeah, no, you were right. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. But it, there is there is no answer to this problem now, which is not great.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Does, um, does this kind of pave the way for central, uh, securities finance clearing as well. Like the SEC bringing that in, I know well, the there's SEC, repo clearing as like,
2: part of it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Reverse repo. yeah. So I just wonder if this is kind of a step to uh, securities finance clearing being, being brought in as well.
2: Uh, we've certainly uh, been discussed in various forums, but I'm yeah, not sure yeah. it's, it's, again, it's not the right direction to be going in, is it? Um, it's not, but
1: that is, does seem to be the direction. So yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> we'll see. Prediction for next year. No, we're reading them off here. Um, so, Sean, I mean, do you want to just go into that treasury clearing? I mean, what is it, $26 trillion market? It's, although, actually, we, we work in custody. That's small fry, right? That's like <laughs> half of me and my melon's assets. But, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty big, sizable regulation.
0: Is there an yeah, over, a, overview you can give? Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of, so it's a two-phase implementation. So treasuries need to start clearing 24 and repos, in 25 mm. um and so like the u.s treasury market there have been concerns about it sort of its sort of fragility and you know you saw the the chinese bank was briefly hacked and it put a pause on the market which was a concern um so there have been concerns about the robustness of the market but they've decided to go to central clearing because that's sort of all regulators do these days when they look concerned about market infrastructure, they just go for central clearing. So it just introduces that concept that we're all aware of, aware of. but I think it it is a big market and you will, clearing essentially is going to sort of create new concentration risks. So I think it will be interesting to sort of watch that uh, along with sort of the associated collateral that's going to be needed for all of it.
2: I mean, we did a lot, We did a piece of work a couple of years ago looking at mapping out all of the different clearing members and um, the different, you know, the different clearing houses. And there's massive concentration risk. It's quite scary yeah. when you actually look at it sort of physically um, as to the links and things and, and who the big clearers are. Um, so, you know, one of them goes down. I mean, it kind of links to the operational resilience, right? One goes down. What, what kind of knock on effect does that have? So right. you've got to wonder about this sort of the connectivity of, of DORA or the Operational Resilience Agenda versus clearing
1: houses as well. Yeah. Good. Willa, any other news? Um,
2: well, the CFTC put out its own version of, of DORA to, this week as well. Um, yep. they're, they're out for consultation for the next 75 days, I think. Okay. Yeah, that was one thing. Uh, what else has happened this week? <laughs> I, I feel like was- we've got we've got more Dora stuff from the from <laughs> Esma to review over Christmas. That'll be fun. Yeah,
1: very nice. I tell you one thing that I don't know if this is ever on your radar, but you know this the Euro, Euro system collateral management system or European collateral management system, ECMS. It's the most delayed thing. I mean, it's like T2S, right? It just keeps being kicked down the road. But I think last week or a couple of weeks ago, they announced they'd be moved again from April 24 to November 24. But I feel like I'm writing this story every single year. And it <laughs> keeps getting delayed. I'm not, even, I'm not that familiar with it. We actually had a really good blog on the uh, opinion piece on the Global Custodian website this week from um, Jesus Benito from uh, 6, actually, navigating the choppy seas of the Eurozone collateral change. So... Um, because I don't have much more to add I recommend you log on and, and read that.
0: So. <laughs> nice nice pitch there. Yeah, thanks. That was seamless, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Absolutely not planned at all. Um yeah, anything else for anyone about in the crypto world anything?
2: Oh yes, there was There's a big always there was a big action. There. Yeah, there was another Ponzi scheme, Ponzi Mole continues. Um another so day, uh, another Ponzi I think yeah, yeah, exactly um crypto yoda i think his name is Bit- bitcoin yoda uh otherwise known as the blue wizard i, I don't know where people get these <laughs> names from um got scott and, and his partner who did not seem to have a, an exciting name uh, got mm. uh, got caught this week i think um in the u.s um yeah there was a big announcement by one of the it wasn't a regulator it was one of the the enforcement agencies mm. so um and they they were talking about how he'd sort of been uh, been spending money on on luxury cars and uh, condos and things like that. So uh, with with his ill-gotten gains from the Ponzi scheme. So it's uh, the it's year historic. of the year of enforcement actions against crypto Ponzi's of various yeah. kinds. Yeah,
1: and, and Jamie Dimon once again came out this week, didn't he? Very anti-crypto,
2: isn't he always?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pet Pet Rock. Uh, I can't remember what this one was. It was. know, uh, yeah. he would not want it to. Keep scaling, I think, was the the bottom line.
0: Um, but yeah, he said if he was in charge, he would he would outlaw. It, right, that's it. Was during the bank hearing. Yeah. Is he? Is he? Do you think
1: he's going to shoot for president one day?
0: I I doubt it. I mean, I don't. Maybe. Like, I mean, he's. I mean, who would want that job? To be honest? <laughs> that's <laughs> just the question to ask. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I got way off topic there Um, the other
0: crypto thing is uh, we talked about it we have been talking about it since we've done the podcast is the uh, the Bitcoin ETF is definitely inching towards the finish line Um, so there have been uh, the SEC there's like 12 applications in front of the SEC and the SEC has had a flurry of meetings with all the participants and so it looks like the big debate or the final sticking point is sort of in kind versus sort of cash creations, and I, it looks like the SEC is holding a line and saying it wants only cash creations because essentially it doesn't want broker dealers or the APs dealing with unregistered and unregulated crypto firms um, and sort of the exchange of assets. So that's mm. a big sticking point. not see, the crypto gang's upset because it sort of will make take some of the tax advantages away. But I do think that, for better or worse, possibly by the time next time we get together, the, we could have the approval of the, the Bitcoin ETFs. Wow. And it looks like it definitely looks like they're going to sort um, of bunch them together. So I imagine they'll approve, you know, whoever has all their ducks in a row now. So we'll say, you know, maybe all twelve of them, yeah. but definitely going to approve them in a big group, um, and then we'll get to see what happens after that, after over a decade of
1: uh, waiting for it. Sean, I'm going to track, once we publish this podcast, I reckon the price of Bitcoin will move on the fact you've just made that prediction. (laughs) You just moved markets with your your prediction there. (laughs) Uh, I also can't imagine, if people
0: do think it's January, I can't imagine that it's not already priced in. Well, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the run-up in price of Bitcoin, to the extent there's any rationale behind the price of Bitcoin, I think the run-up, has been about there's about to be an exit ramp right Mm -hmm. like i mean the whole thing about the bitcoin etf is it creates exit liquidity because it's not that liquid of a market so what will like you know will be interesting is you have the grayscale trust that converts to an etf people can finally get out of it so it'll be interesting how much money actually goes into these products but how much money comes out and it honestly wouldn't surprise me if the opening of these funds leads to the price to go down to be honest as there's sort of more liquidity um, and people look for the exit ramp.
1: And there it goes down again. <laughs> He's moving into real time, real time moving markets. Incredible. There was actually um,
2: speaking of things going down. There was another thing I've just remembered. Um, somebody just put out a paper that uh, that highlighted that investment into um, blockchain has gone down massively over the last three years. I'm trying to remember who did it. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: that's right. I saw that. Yeah. Mm.
2: EBA, the EBA, that's who did right, it. EBA, yeah. Here we go. Which was interesting. <laughs>
1: that is interesting. I guess so much happened early on. I mean, next year really, and this did start towards the H2 of 23, but there's going to be so much talk about blockchain interoperability, isn't there? Mm-hmm. To move things forward. I don't know, <laughs> I heard it growing there. Um, <laughs> I mean, ironically, then you're going to have multiple kind of parties working on it, whether it's SWIFT or digital assets. I don't know how they then interoperate, but it's it's definitely going to be the year of it. And, and if there's no progress on digital assets and tokenisations by the end of next year, I think we should start calling it out. I mean, it's really, I really hope next year we do see some more examples.
2: I expect a lot more will go bust in terms of the blockchain providers, just it's already happening funding is drying up fintech funding is is tough anyway and that area has just been very pilotville right it hasn't really returned revenues for people so you've got to wonder how long they can keep treading water
1: yeah indeed well look um thank you both again for your your wonderful input throughout this entire season um i think we've been going what, like four, four or five years now? Well, I suppose it was uh, COVID, didn't it? So 2020, so entering our, uh, our fifth year. So thanks again uh, for everything this year. It's been a fun one. Um, and Sean, if you you still have me a prediction for, for next year, um, written one, uh, I can send you Virginies if you'd like to okay, go the yeah. complete opposite direction and give me something positive.
2: <laughs> Doom and
1: gloom! But, um, do the glue yeah but um but Virginia uh, to wrap things up what is there anything else you're working on over the new year or is it just time to down tools and have a break
2: no I'm doing a massive peep- piece of work on operational resilience so uh, okay. sadly just because there's so many regs around that that um, we're getting a lot of demand for, for information on on what how they each compare to each other
1: super all right and Sean, where can people find your news and
0: views well you can always find me out on the uh, the Twitter machine or uh you can follow the uh, FinReg memes account over on Instagram. (laughs) I'm sure most of our
1: audience do. Well, uh, thank you both again, and thank you to our audience for listening. We'll be back uh, in 2024 with uh, a new season. You were listening to There's Always a FinReg Angle
0: podcast from Global Custodian. Stream on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or catch up wherever you get your podcasts from.